Well, hello there, Nat. Mm, hello, Jake. How are you? It's, well, I'm about to find out because it's that time <laughs> of the week again, isn't it? It is that time of the week. Now, once again, we're in a situation where, with a divided population... Perfect. I mean, in some ways, this is more of a Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton in that the total of the popular vote... Hang on, who's who? I'm not telling you <laughs> yet. <laughs> but the total of the popular vote is a different winner to the winner of the... Uh, side by side electoral college. I'm not sure I want to be. I think I'd almost rather be Mitt Romney than <laughs> either of those. I'd rather you were Mitt Romney. Either of those. I know you think of me as Mitt Romney. I do. I imagine you with your jutting jaw, mm. fine brow, and immense wealth. And I go, oh, I wish you were a bit Just, more like Mitt. Yeah, Romney. exactly. So we could pay someone else <laughs> to do the lion's share of this. <laughs> Okay, well, yes. um, if, if you've just tuned in for the first time, this is what happens on a Sunday. We find out the results of the last week of date fights, mm. as decided by you. Although statistically, yes. probably not you. Although yep. statistically, probably no. you. Although <laughs> yeah. actually, it's quite close. To if you voted on Saturday's one, I think we had yeah. six votes on that Amazing. one, so it could be someone. Guys, it's incredible the way this show's growing, and that's all down to you. Isn't it? Pull your socks up. Shame on you. <laughs> so, of these subjects, there was one draw this week. It's the total of the votes over Twitter and Facebook. Yes. Rubik's Cube and Pope Sergius III really? was a draw. Yes. <sighs> yeah. I thought I really thought the Rubik's Cube was going to be a runaway success, so I'm I'm quite disappointed by that. And the person who Although won, I'm sort of waiting. For, I'm waiting for you now to say, "Oh, I wouldn't be, mate. That's as high <laughs> as you got." <laughs> the person who won won by one. No. Yeah. So that draw would have changed it the other way. No. So this week's winner is winning six date fights to five. Natapley. <laughs> I could sort of tell there was a... <laughs> there was but a that's... deep sense of self-satisfaction oozing through the microphone. Yet again, though, that's as close to 52-48 as you could possibly get. Absolutely. We remain a country divided. Did you say uh, remain, not mate? Not anymore, mate. Did not you anymore. say remain, mate? <laughs> wow. Uh, but the total of the popular votes, Jake got 221, Nat got 212. Oh. So if you're going to add them all up together... That is... I mean, you're not, no, but, you know, that's no, the way it works. But, you, know. you can't add numbers that big. Everyone knows that. No. So that makes you Donald Trump and me Hillary Clinton. I'm Donald Trump, you're Hillary Clinton. How does it feel? Uh, feels good, actually. Are you going to waspishly snipe from the sidelines for the next few years just to <laughs> make your successor feel uncomfortable? I'm doing a book with my daughter, <laughs> Millwall, Chelsea. Life's good. Excellent. Well, enjoy writing this week's forfeit song. I shall look forward to hearing it. Yeah. Yeah, did you enjoy last week's? Oh, I loved it. Loved it. I tell you what. Couldn't have been happier with it. <laughs> <laughs> it Shut really up. made this victory yeah, oh so very sweet. Do you know what? Neither of us is putting anywhere near enough effort into this. <laughs> I know, we're not. We're not really doing it. All right, you know what? All right, here's here's last week's forfeit song, okay? Here. Okay, yeah. Sorry that the stories I found were shocking But most of all the thing I'm sorry about Is that I'm sorry 
Good. Le- shut up. <laughs> was le- no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't, I just don't want any of this. I know. Okay, well, all right, we'll do that. Uh, was last week. Put up an embarrassing photo or something. Do you know what? It's time for us as a podcast to yes. come together and begin healing. <laughs> Unite. As we go ourselves. forward into a new date fight, new. a new week. <laughs> Base drop. What have you got for us, Jake? New. Fine, let's kick it off. Game fight! Uh, I've got a scratchy fanny. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've got... I've got a very cold dog. Round one! Let me take you back to old London town on the 2nd of February, 1760 when Francis Lines died in a hovel. Good old (laughs) Fanny Lines. She was there with her brother-in-law, the loan shark William Kent, who'd moved to Cock Lane um, earlier that year, uh, after his wife... Are you Ray Cooney? (laughs) I'm just telling the story of scratching Fanny of Cock Lane. That's (laughs) absolutely... (laughs) No, I don't know why I chose it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for choosing us over the archers. Yes. Uh, so William Kent, uh, his wife died, and he was so sad that he moved uh, to London with his wife's sister, um, who fell pregnant very shortly after that. She unfortunately died um, on this day, but she wasn't gone when she was dead. She returned as a ghost, scratching Fanny of Cock Lane. Now, William Kent was also a loan shark, um, and he'd loaned his landlord money, and after a couple of months when he asked for the money back, that's when the landlord and his daughter started saying they heard noises of a ghost coming from their room and tried to get him arrested and taken away for having murdered his wife, who became the ghost scratching Fanny. Um... (laughs) Yes, so they said the ghost was there to cl- to tell everyone that she'd been murdered by her, well, not husband, brother-in- brother-in-law stroke husband stroke lover. Um, there was a commission, it was, it was such a huge case, there was a commission set up to investigate it. Uh, Samuel Pepys went to have a look, I think, and they all waited, um, and then they found actually it was the daughter making noises, she was scratching things with her toes, um, and she was put in the pillory with her husband? No. She was put in a pillory um, for a week, as was her father. Um, and they had to pay back the money that they owed. This kept happening to William Kent, by the way. He kept moving places, then lending his land- uh, landlord's money, and then they didn't want to pay it back, and so then he had to move somewhere else. He was a terrible loan shark. Yeah. Um, but that is the story of Scratching Fanny of Cock Lane. What was pillory, exactly? A pillory is it's like the stocks. So, But people, yeah, people definitely come and throw things at you. Mm. It's just the stocks. Mm. I'm not sure. I think it's a standing one rather than a sitting one, but I don't know. Good Lord. I imagine if you want to throw stuff at people, they want to be standing up, don't they? I have no idea. 
I'm sorry I asked. The loser this week will be pilloried. <laughs> no, I won't. So, <laughs> Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Extremely well done. Look, I've got a dashingly exciting tale to tell you. Oh, really? Yes, because Good. I want to take you back to 1925. Mm. Because in 1925, there was the serum run to Nome. What, the what? And they finally arrived. This was a really exciting story. Yeah. Have you heard of the Iditarod? No. Trail and the race? No. Okay, well, it's a, a sort of husky dog sledge race. It's, it's a very exciting sort of race. I don't think it happens annually, but they've done it a few mm-hmm. times. But it's actually done in commemoration of what happened in 1925. Oh. Uh, it was called the Serum Run to Nome. So Nome is in Alaska. Alaska, yeah. This was also known as the Great Race of Mercy or the Serum Run. And what happened was uh, the doctor in Nome sent a desperate telegram. Uh, back down to uh, Washington, D.C., saying an epidemic of diphtheria is almost inevitable here. Stop. I'm in urgent need of one million units of diphtheria antitoxin. Stop. Mail is the only form of transportation. Stop. Wow. Okay, this is where, you know, it stops being a just happy, heroic story. There are about 3,000 white natives in the district oh. okay there were like ten thousand people there but uh, you know, oh. yeah yeah cases started erupting of diphtheria in this little community not amongst the white community well in the white community yes oh that made it terrible yes and uh, <laughs> because because here's the fun thing about six years before that spanish flu had wiped out about 50 percent of the native population of gnome right because uh, they, they had they had no immunity to anything at all, mm-hmm. so they got word, and the officials down in Washington D.C. were like, "What can we do? What can we do? Maybe maybe we need a plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, surely we can drop this by plane." And they only had like water cooled biplanes, and it was the middle of winter, oh. and it was freezing cold, and they just couldn't fly. And they found some serum on the West Coast, Mm -hmm. 300,000 units that they had as a kind of like first stopgap thing. Yeah. They wrapped it up in glass vials, then in padded quilts, and then in a big metal cylinder, which weighed about 20 pounds. Yeah. And they just had to make a scramble for it. So they set effectively this kind of relay race with sledges and dogs, and they had to cover 650 miles. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the end, they did it in 127 hours. But it was epic. I mean, it's an awful story and yet a kind of amazing story. Uh, many of the dogs died of just exhaustion. But yeah. there, there were stories of uh, the people running these dogs who literally the dogs all died. And they then have to just pull the sledge by themselves. They went day and night. They set off. There were these huge... Uh, storms and winds blowing. They said they couldn't they couldn't see the first dogs in front of the sledge. It, it was such a whiteout, mm. or it looked like the dogs were walking through a fast flowing river because the snow was just streaking across in front of them. And when they arrived at one station for a kind of uh, relief, uh, the, one of the guys' hands were frozen to the sledge, and they had to pour hot water over them to get them off. They got severe frostbite, and they did it, and it broke all kinds of records. It was minus 70 degrees. Wow. It was 
unbelievably cold. Literally, in the time it took one of the people doing the relay uh, to fix the harnesses to the dogs, he just wrecked his hands. They were just done. Wow. And they got there. Uh, there were, the, the number of people falling victim to diphtheria was, was going up, uh, but they got there and they, they prevented it from turning into a, a really, really terrible tragedy. I think about five people died in the end, uh, but they got there. That's and amazing. Yeah. Bolto, mm. the lead dog on the last relay team, became a kind of national hero and got presented with medals and all the rest Good of boy. it. Good boy. Good um, boy. Which really annoyed... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, really, really annoyed uh, some of the people who actually did the runs, the human <laughs> beings who were running the dogs, who were like... I lost my fingers, well, mate. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I nearly died. It was the most dangerous <laughs> thing you could ever imagine doing. Hello? A guy, a guy called Sapala, mm-hmm. uh, who did one of the runs, he, he was very upset when uh, Togo, who was another one of the guys, uh, he basically all of his achievements were accredited to Balto, this dog. And he, he's quoted as saying, it was almost more than I could bear when the newspaper dog Balto received a statue for his glorious achievements. <laughs> it, it, it was tough. They, yeah. they, couldn't, they couldn't handle it. But it kind of changed everything. And it, it made legislation happen that pushed for private contractors to tender for airmail routes because they were like, we've got to sort of open up these channels somehow. We've got to make this work. And it, yeah. it drove a lot of changes in the infrastructure of places like Alaska. Well, that is an incredible story. And if there is any justice in the world, your tale of slightly racist heroism... Oh, please don't condescend to me, you <laughs> little perk! ...will beat the scratching fanny of Cock Lane, hands down. Thank you. But I don't want pity! It's not pity. I'm saying if there is any justice, oh. but I don't think there is. Yeah, but no, uh, of course there's not, mate. Doesn't mine's work. got rude words in. Although you did say that they stopped for relief and then had to pour hot water on themselves <laughs> to get themselves off, which was Grow interesting. Up, <laughs> Please. Happy birthday to Elizabeth of Bavaria, who died, uh, was born in 1484. She had a bed on wheels because she was bedbound for the last few years of her life, so she had her bed put on wheels and was driven around in it. Uh, happy birthday to Nell Gwynn, who at one point was pelted in her carriage by passers-by who thought she was someone else. And she put her head out the window and said, Good people, you are mistaken. I am the Protestant whore. Um, and happy birthday to Brent Spiner, data from Star Trek The Next Generation, um, who I believe is back on our televisions at the moment. Um, who died? Who didn't die? Who died? Owen Tudor died, the grandfather of Henry VII. We talked about him because he got given the rights of an Englishman at one point, despite being Welsh. I remember that. Um, yes, he married a widow of a king and got money doing that. Um, happy death day also to Boris Karloff. He's Frankenstein. He's all of the monsters. Um, he was the mummy. Shall I be mummy? Yes. <laughs> Happy death day to Lawrence of Canterbury, who was the second ever Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, when Eadbert, no, when Ethelbert died and all the Anglo-Saxons were going to convert back to paganism because they thought, your god must be rubbish if he lets people die, um, he went to uh, Ethelbert's son, Eadbald, uh, is it? Yeah. He went to Ethelbert's son, Eadbald, saying he'd had a dream in which St Peter had whipped him for not doing enough to convert the Anglo-Saxons, and he showed him the marks of the whipping that were still on his back. Oh. 
and that's how he converted them back. Happy death day to you, Lawrence of Canterbury. Lawrence of Canterbury. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to the 2nd of February, 1887. Ooh. Uh, 1887 fans all just sat up a little bit straighter, didn't they? <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. finally. This finally is, uh... one for me. <laughs> yes, get in. <laughs> so good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the beginning of a tradition that you will have of heard of it is Groundhog Day. Oh. Now, yeah. this... Well, this happens in Punxsutawney in Punxsutawney. Pennsylvania, as mm-hmm. you know from the film and all of the rest of it, which upped the tourist quotient mm-hmm. every year from 2,000 to 10,000, apparently. Mm. And it was sort of made up. Yeah. It's come from... It's from the Germans-speaking areas where the badger is traditionally <laughs> the forecasting animal. Of course, of course, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Badgers, yeah, well, noted for their meteorological abilities, whereas groundhogs, yeah, idiots. There's, there's an old sort of thing that if there if there's yeah. clear weather on the Christian holy day of Candlemas, yeah. it means there's going to be a long winter. Mm. But it was made up. It was made up by a newspaper Editor. Most things are in the late 19th century, aren't they? They've got loads of newspaper editors just making things up to sell any sort. Like, the First World War was almost made up by newspaper editors who needed something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it like, it, it was mentioned in a diary. A guy called James L. Morris mentioned it in 1840. So it was a long time before that. But okay. it, it probably yeah. kicked off uh, in the Punxsutawney Spirit newspaper, where they, they spoke of its observance the year before in 1886. Sorry, 1887 fans. Where they said, up to the time of going to press, the beast has not seen its shadow. (laughs) But then it it went official in 1887 uh, with uh, groups making their trips to uh, Nobler's Gob in Punxsutawney to consult (laughs) the groundhog. Now, the idea is that uh, it's the same groundhog, Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah, he's very old now. He's definitely the same one. Yeah. He's got three legs. Yeah, yeah, that's Punk's Tony <laughs> Phil. He's yeah. got four legs. Yeah, He's yeah, grown back. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, mm. the Punk's Tony Groundhog Club got formed in 1899. They didn't mention this bit quite so much in the film. Yeah. Because Groundhog Day is actually the Groundhog Feast. Oh, do they kill and eat the Groundhog? Not, not Punk's Tony <laughs> Phil, but all of his brothers oh. and sisters <laughs> get massacred and, and eaten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, didn't see a shadow. I predict a bad winter for groundhogs. Yeah, didn't see a shadow, but he watched all of his fur scorch <laughs> off and his skin bubbling. No, but that kind of phased out because actually you sort of have to hunt the groundhogs quite a long time before you want to eat them because you've got to marinate mm. it for quite a long time. I imagine it's quite tough. I imagine, yeah. And you know what else mm-hmm. they served at the groundhog feast? I don't... What do, you, what do you think? What do you think they were drinking? What's the perfect accompaniment Ooh. to roast groundhog, Nat? It is mulled groundhog urine. You're not far off. <laughs> is it groundhog blood? It's a groundhog punch. Okay. Flavour has been described as a cross between pork and chicken. Oh, that's a good drink. Funnily enough... That's, what I, that's exactly the, the flavour ha- I want for my drinks. Yeah. Mm, I'm getting notes of elderflower, <laughs> <refreshing> ham, <laughs> <laughs> and kidneys. So 
the hunt and the feast didn't, didn't really get that much uh, outside interest. Okay, but it's it, yeah. it's it's thought that uh, the name Phil Punxsutawney Phil. Yes, that only started he only started being called Phil in 1961. So it's thought that he's named after Prince Philip. Really? Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take you to the second of February. 1141. Oh. Now, do you know who was king in 1141? Of course I do. What's the, most king, what's the most kingly name you can think of? Charles. No, it was Stephen. King Stephen. <laughs> was on the throne. That's <laughs> not what was. There was no King <laughs> Stephen. There is King Shut Stephen. Shut up. Stephen There's no Blois. King Stephen. <laughs> he reigned for 20 fake years. Fake news. King this Stephen. is fake fight. <laughs> king Stephen. King Stephen. King Stephen. Yeah. And he kept what Matilda next? off the throne. Nah, what next? <laughs> King Wayne. Was I hope um, not. So he kept kept Henry I's daughter Matilda off the throne. She got very cross, so she invaded with Geoffrey of Anjou. So Stephen and Geoffrey are the two most important men in the country at this point. Oh, shut up. Um, you're, you're, you're off your head. No one vote for this. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, in 1141, he was besieging Lincoln Castle when a relief force arrived and captured him. And so King Stephen was taken prisoner because as soon as the battle started, all of his nobles fled and ran away going, Stephen's a stupid name. We never liked you anyway. Bye. Um, so he was imprisoned in Bristol, um, and that was during the Anarchy of Stephen, which is when uh, essentially it was just a civil war. <laughs> it was a civil war because we keep having civil wars. We don't call them civil wars. We go, oh, it was the Wars of the Roses. Oh, it was the Anarchy of Stephen. It's just another civil war. Everyone was fighting everyone, and the chronicler said of it at the time, Christ and his saints were asleep. Um, so that's the Battle of Lincoln, 1141, where King Stephen got taken Shut to Bristol. Up. Made up. <laughs> What, you, were you too busy today, mate? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. King Eric. Okay, well, I'm going to let the listeners make of that what they will. You know, people aren't stupid, all right? They voted... Well, <laughs> I agree. No. They, they aren't. No. Listen. They've shown themselves week after the, week the, to have... The, uh... the, the, the British and American and worldwide public <laughs> have, have never got anything wrong. So the one the one thing about being Donald Trump is apparently it's quite fun. Oh, it must be brilliant. It is, as far as I can tell. And listen, I'm well aware that there's a lot of Trump fans out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So King Donald. I mean, it doesn't sound that stupid anymore. No, it doesn't. We've had King Stephen. King Stephen. <laughs> Stephen. Has Stephen had a look at this email? What does he think of it? King Stephen. King Stephen. Yeah. yeah. King Stephen, do you want peas or sweet corn? Mini Kievs. <laughs> Coming. King Stephen. See you all tomorrow. Re- I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, that's it. Thank you very much indeed for being with us. Uh, yes, thank you. Tell your friends. Yes, do tell your friends. Yes, go uh, we, we, yes, We're them. in a good place. I mean, not mentally, but in terms of how we're doing no. with this podcast, we are in a good place. It would be great if we could yeah, we take it to an even better place. So That would be amazing. Thanks for everything you've done so far. If you could just yes. try and persuade one more person. Yeah, one more person. Just do one more. That would make a big difference. Maybe, maybe do it like... Go to if if you work in a big office on several floors, mm. go to a floor you don't normally go to, yeah. and go to the loose there and sit in the cubicle. And when someone <laughs> else comes in, go. This date fight podcast is excellent, and then wait for them to leave, which they will at speed. Just sit there chuckling. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is certainly oh, the greatest fight. podcast ever. <laughs> or just unlock people's phones and subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> don't tell them. Don't do that. I'm sure that's criminal on some level, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks very much. See you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Bye.